0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. All right, in 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to pick up tonight where we basically left off last week with verse number 8. And so if you have that place, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 8. Now, let's look as we study the word tonight together. In verse number 8, Peter is saying, he's talking about in the previous verse, the trial of our faith. Uh, And to keep uh, the faith uh, as we look forward to the Lord's return, he says, whom having not seen, ye love. We spent a great deal of time last Wednesday night talking about that. And we left off with the illustration of Jesus speaking to Thomas in the upper room. Right after his resurrection, the other disciples, uh, they were at the empty tomb and they were leaping with joy and testimony as they listened uh, intently. Uh, He is not here. He is risen. They saw that uh, the body of the Lord Jesus was gone. And so they emphatically rejoiced. Thomas, however, where he got his reputation as doubting Thomas, he said, unless I see him, I'm not going to believe that this has happened. And you know the story. We spent a great deal of time with that closing illustration last week. And we talked about how that story in the New Testament uh, applies to you and I today. None of us have seen the Lord with our physical eyes, but by faith we believe that he is the author of this book. God chose over 40 different writers to pen down these scriptures but there is only one author. There is a big difference between the author and the writer. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here in verse number 8 also, there is an emphasis on this thing about faith in general. Peter was an eyewitness of the Lord's majesty. Here's the thing that I want you to think about tonight as a study. We we cannot wait until the crowning day of our faith when we see the Lord Jesus, when our faith is exchanged for sight. And that's going to be a glorious day. I'm going to be preaching more about that this coming Sunday. Peter was an eyewitness to the majesty of the Lord. But right now, here's the thing, by faith, I want to talk about that just for a moment. There is a huge difference between faith and I don't want to use the word stupidity, but from me not using that word, I want you to kind of get the idea that, for example, it would be ridiculous and it would be foolish for you to drive your car around a sharp curve, ice on the road, and you're just hauling freight. I mean, you're going down the road at a ridiculous speed, going around the curve, and you know when you touch the brakes that they're not working. And you're getting ready to go off the cliff, and you're saying, oh, Lord, now I want you to send a band of angels and help me now. Now, I'm talking about if you did this intentionally. Even the devil could not tempt the Lord to jump off of a the pinnacle of the building, the temple. Uh there are certain things that would just be ridiculous if we tempt the Lord. Well I'm going to do this and step back and Lord, I just expect you to be my magic genie in the word and just pop up here and there and do all these ridiculous things. That's that, that's not what faith is. There's a there's a big difference between faith and foolishness. That's That's probably the better way to say it. Even though faith is something that you cannot see, smell, feel, uh, you cannot manipulate, and we, we understand the concept, the understanding, the definition of faith. The scripture says in Hebrews that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Clearly the evidence of things not seen. God wants us to trust him in all things. Our faith life right now is incredibly important as it goes hand in hand in which, uh, or with the times that we live and the demands that are on our lives every day now. Faith is a very important aspect of who we are and what we are in Christ. We have to trust God. We have to trust him. We don't do ridiculous, foolish things in that process. We we walk circumspectly. We walk with wisdom. And we understand that we cannot manipulate God and we ought not to do foolish things. But as I have been saying for the last couple of weeks, God doesn't want us to curl up in fear. He wants us to trust him. The just shall live by faith. In reflection to what Peter's talking about in this passage in our faith, because he does mention the trial of your faith at the beginning of verse number 7, right now, this element of faith, we we only can see, Paul used the words, he said, though we now see through a glass darkly. In fact, let me give you that scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 12, this is what he said. For now we see through a glass darkly. We don't have it all figured out. God does. God's got it all figured out. We don't. That's why we trust him. I love that old hymn that says, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now, I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. I'm going to be sharing that scripture particularly in the funeral tomorrow. But I want you to notice this again. Peter says this in verse number 8, Whom having not seen you love, and whom though now you see him not, yet believing, we see through this glass darkly, Ye rejoice, or he says, you rejoice with joy. Joy, by the way, is the second fruit of the Spirit. This is something that ought to be produced in a Christian's life, not fear, joy. In fact, I want us to go there just for a minute. Let's turn our Bibles to Galatians. Because here we find the fruits of the Spirit. I've got several passages marked tonight and uh, that would get me to the location a little quicker. But I want us to look in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 22. These are the fruits of the Spirit. This is what our life ought to be manifesting and consisting of. But the fruit of the Spirit, and do you remember what Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them? But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And so these are the particularities that ought to be made manifest in our life. And when we fall in love with Jesus... Our life is going to be consumed with joy. By the way, this is one of the things that the devil desires to take out of your life or to take away of your life, and that's joy. He can never take your salvation. Understand this. When you have become born into the family of God, you are sealed until the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, no man shall pluck them out of my hand. Those whom the Father has given me, no man will be able to pluck them out of my hand. And so remember that the devil cannot take your salvation, but he can take away the joy of your salvation. He can take away your praise. He can take away your shout. He can take away your testimony. He can take all those things away. He, in fact, can make you a miserable individual. He cannot take your salvation. Peter says, the joy is really, look at this, he says, unspeakable and full of glory, a joy that wraps our entire soul. Now, I want you to see something in verse number 9. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls... Remember now he's writing under extreme persecution and opposition this is during the time of nero who was a barbaric ruler and without question the great message of scripture well class put your thinking caps on just for a moment let's let's consider this entire book all 66 books genesis to revelation what is the main emphasis of this book? If, if we could summarize the main emphasis in, what, in one word, one word, in all of these many passages, what would that word be? I mean, going all the way back to Genesis, all the way through Revelation, the one word that could sum up this entire message is salvation. the son of man is come to seek and to save that which is lost and it's pointed here's the thing salvation you can trace it all the way back to the old testament it's crystallized in the gospel it's confessed in the acts it's clarified in the epistles and consummated in the revelation. It's the message of the whole book. Salvation. Now, the Bible is the book that salvation has been revealed. You, you cannot find salvation in Reader's Digest and the writings of Edgar Allan Poe or Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. Listen, The Bible is the book that reveals salvation to us, and I want you to keep a few things in mind about this precious book that we hold dear to our hearts. Number one, the purpose of the Bible is not to teach us things that we can figure out ourselves. That's not the purpose. Number two, the Bible contains a lot of history. That's something that the political correctness would like to close their ears and eyes to, but the Bible does contain a lot of history. Number three, the Bible, it presents legal and moral orders. But number four, the main thing about the Bible, the main thing is that it points us to Jesus and his so great salvation. That's the main thing about the Bible. You see, the Bible, it goes well beyond human reasoning. The Bible clearly teaches us that salvation is not by works. A couple of years ago, there was a young man that came through here, and uh, he said, Preacher, I want you to teach me everything you know. I said well, that's very little. It ain't gonna take me long at all. We can get this. Over. We can get this exercise over real quickly. But he said, I want you to teach me everything you know. I want to just study. I want you to pour your heart into me, everything in your head and your heart. I want you to pour. I said, well, uh, let, I'll be glad to to nourish you along and to help you along a little bit here. Let's talk about some things, though. So I want to know what's in your mind and what's in your heart. And we began to talk about a number of things because I wanted to make sure that we were doctrinally on the same page. Um, if we were not there, I didn't have time to wrestle anybody to the truth. I can preach the truth and teach the truth. But anybody that's going to deny the truth, I, 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 I don't have time to do that. There was a time in my life, and I have made this known to you many, many times. I think there was a time in my life that I did like to wrestle people with the truth. I can remember years ago on Saturday morning when the Mormons and Jehovah's Witness would ride their bicycles through my neighborhood, I, and I've confessed it before God, I was stand in my picture window and look out the curtain. I just could not wait. I was drooling for them to come by my house. I couldn't I couldn't stand it. That was my Saturday morning because I knew when they walked up my sidewalk, knocked on my door, man, we were going to get it on. And I was entertained by that, and God convicted me. You don't need to be doing this. This is ridiculous. And I got very seriously convicted of it. We don't. The word of God, the Bible says, avoid foolish questions and genealogies. And so I don't like to wrestle people to the truth or with the truth. I don't mind giving a gospel witness. The Bible teaches us to let our light so shine that others can see Christ in us. It talks about us being salt and light. I like to do that. Uh, If there's some misunderstanding in Scripture and I can turn the light on for somebody and help them guide them down, I'm all for that. I'm in the game. But I'm not going to wrestle somebody to the truth because the the person who brings a person to the truth is the Holy Spirit. It's not me. I cannot do it. And so the young man said, yes, I want you to tell me this. And it, it was just a very short time. I did everything I possibly could do to help him within reason. And within a very short amount of time, it became quite apparent to me that he was not even, 100% sure about this thing called salvation. And it, one thing led to another, and uh, I'd asked him in the beginning, I said, listen, man, I want to make sure you're not a Calvinist because I don't have time to deal with that. And, uh, you know, there are different forms of Calvinism. Somebody can be a 2.3.5 point, 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 whatever. But I, I don't have time to fill with that. We're not Calvinist. And he sure me, No, I'm not. But it was just a matter of time before that began to manifest himself. And one of the big things about Calvinism that, um, by theory, many young preachers are immersed in, and that is the difference of grace and works. And by the way, Jehovah's Witness are big people on works. What I want to share with you now, and I'm going to, if you'd like to read a verse, you raise your hand, and I'll let you find it real quickly. Um and because I, this is the thing, this is the point, this is the truth that I want to go over with you tonight in the time that we have together. I want you to understand that the Bible clearly teaches that salvation is not by works. You cannot work your way to heaven. Here's the thing. We're not work-defined. We are justified. That's very important. And so let me ask the question, who would read tonight Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Would there be anybody here tonight that would like to do that? Ephesians chapter 2, Brother Kurt. thank you. Wait just a minute. Hold on to that place. We'll get to it. All right. How about Romans 3, 20 through 30? All right, Brother Paul, Romans chapter 3, verse 20. 2.30. 230. All right. Who would look up this passage? Galatians t- chapter 2, verse number 16. Anybody? Miss Sharon? Okay. Galatians 2.16. All right. Who would read this? 2 Timothy 1 9. Who would do that? 2 Timothy, Sister Val and Sister Catherine, you had your hand up. How about Titus 3, verse 4 and 5? All right, Titus three, verse four and five. So let me read those scriptures out again, and then I'll ask you to stand and read those. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and through ten. All right, and then Romans, brother Paul. Romans chapter three, verse twenty through thirty. Galatians chapter two, verse sixteen, and Second Timothy one nine. Sister Val, is that? Right, and then uh Sister Catherine, Titus three, verse four through five. So here's what I want you to do. These scriptures, what do they pertain to? What are they for? Now brother Steve is gonna hand the microphone, uh he's gonna make a microphone nearby. You don't have to hold it and read it and think about what am I doing standing up here in front of all these people? That's not what this is about. You just put the microphone close to you and just just read the scriptures. But the point being i'm going to reference these again to you because i want you to have them all down i want you to write them down this listen you need this you need these scriptures you need to know what the bible says we are not saved by works ephesians 2 8 and 10 romans 3 verse 20 through 30 galatians 2, 16, 2 timothy 1 9 and titus 3 verses 4 through 5 those of you that are at home Listen to these scriptures as they are being read, and I hope you wrote them down as well. So let's start in the back, Brother Kurt. Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 10. All right, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. And verse 10, for ye are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath Before ordained that we must walk, that we should walk in them. Amen. We are created unto good works, not saved by works. Brother Paul, Romans 3 verse 20 through 30. Brother Steve.
1: By the deeds of the law, there shall be, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, without the law, is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely. By his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God hath set forth to be a procreation, procreation through the faith of his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? He is not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith.
0: Thank you, Brother Paul. Many verses, but that hit the nail on the head. All right, Galatians 2.16. Sharon, I think that's, that's you.
1: Knowing that man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, but for the works of the law shall no flesh be
0: justified. Spot on there. Second Timothy one nine, Sister Val, is that yours? who
1: hath saved saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ
0: Jesus before the world begins. Thank you, Sister. And then, Sister Catherine, Titus 3, verses 4 through 5.
1: But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost.
0: So there are many more scriptures. These are not the only ones that I could give you tonight, but they're simple. And I want to thank all of you for participating. I love to hear you read the word and to get you involved in this This is wonderful. But these are some great, incredible verses that you need to know that we are not saved by works. We're saved unto works. We don't work to be saved, but once we're saved, we ought to get busy. That's what that means. All right. So now let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 1, and I want you to see with me verse number 9. All of this so far has been talking about faith, and verse 9 is without exception. Peter is saying this, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Now, he's again, he's speaking about the end of our faith or the goal. What is the goal of our faith, the end of our faith? What is the goal of it? It's the salvation of our soul. You see, man says this, do. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. That's the philosophy of the human race. You got to do. But here's the thing that I want you to understand. God's philosophy is not do. God's philosophy is done. That's a big difference. Man says try, but God says trust. Those are incredible differences as far as the east is from the west. I want to give you one more passage tonight. And then our time for this Bible study will be over. So I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 10. Of which salvation? You see, that word is being emphasized uh, in a very deep way. Again, the message of the book is about salvation. How to know him and the power of his resurrection. Verse number 10. Of which salvation? The prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Now, the prophets primarily worked in the days of the Old Testament, the period in which the Bible calls the dispensation of the law. And so Old Testament writers often sought to understand the truths that they relayed on to others, they wrote by divine revelation and divine inspiration. And you have to keep in mind that all scripture, every scripture, the Lord says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. In fact, we can probably end with this verse tonight in Second Timothy chapter three and verse number sixteen. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And I'm going to probably begin next Wednesday night with this thought. I'll leave you with this thought and I will resume next Wednesday night, Lord willing, with this thought. Sometimes the writers of scripture did not understand what they were writing. They didn't understand it. And I'm going to give you two verses out of the book of Daniel next Wednesday night. This is important. If all scripture is given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that means this, that Peter didn't wake up one day and say, you know what, I think I'm going to write chapter one today. And... I got this on my mind, and uh this thing happened to me, and so I'm going to write a poem about my experience. But that's not how it worked. What we do know is this that, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, that God chose over 40 different people to write the sacred scriptures. The Holy Spirit, whether Peter was in a crusade or whether he was in in a place teaching a principle, I, I don't know, in jail. In fact, the Apostle Paul spent more time in jail than he did out on the trail. But however, whatever the setting was, the Holy Spirit would come and he would go. And the inspiration of the Holy Spirit moved upon these individuals to write and in many times as they were writing the scriptures as we will see next week from the prophet daniel he said I, i'm writing but i don't understand any of this god said you wrote enough close the book so here's the thing the old testament writers They believed. They wrote by faith. And in fact, I I refer to Daniel. This is where I'm going to pick up next week. Daniel was even troubled by the vision that the Holy Spirit gave him. And so this is a good place for us to leave off here. Old Testament prophets talked about faith. and, And the crowning day when we would see the Lord Jesus face to face. You listen to Pastor Tony Kahoot. For more information, visit our website at bufordroadbaptistchurch.com.